survive that dreaded turkey? <laughs> Do you guys have a good time with family and friends? Well, good. I sure did. I sure did. All right. Well, let's pray and then we will continue on. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence this morning. And we just thank you for your anointing to teach us this morning your word, your ways. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in our families. And we thank you for what you're doing in this church, Father, this local family. We're so grateful to you. And we just want you to do more and more and more. We want you to have your way. So we choose to line up with you. We choose to align ourselves with you and what you are doing. And I thank you, Father, for the unity that is in this place. I thank you for the hearts of your people who want you, want your ways, want your kingdom to be manifest. More and more, every time, every day. Just thank you for your goodness. And we just open our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And Father, we position our hearts to obey what it is that you're speaking to us. And we thank you for this time that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we are going to continue a series that we started two weeks ago on giving, on biblical giving. Um, And last week I continued, kind of, sort of, actually it does go together. I talked about four keys to positioning yourself to financial breakthrough. And if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to, uh, you can listen, you can catch it on the website and look in the archives and you can watch it or listen to it. I would encourage you to listen to it. And also, if you were not here two weeks ago, I would encourage you to uh, check that out on the internet as well so you can kind of catch up with what we're talking about. Also, it's very good, very good information about a very important topic as far as giving. And last week, and I I shared last week, I shared four keys to positioning yourself to financial breakthrough. And actually today we're going to be talking about the fifth key. Because if you do the first four but don't include this one, then you're still not you're still not going to be complete as far as in your financial uh, endeavor, as far as following the Lord in our finances. How many of us realize that finances are important? Anybody? Anybody trying to do without? <laughs> finances are very important. Money is important. You know, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And we see people falling left and right, just falling to the wayside because of the love of money. We see people making, washing out in their faith. The Bible even talks about that. People wash out in their faith because of the love of money. They allow money to grab a hold of their hearts. And when money grabs a hold of your heart, then you're in big trouble. Because Jesus said that we cannot serve both God and money. We will despise one, cling to the other. We will hate one, love the other. We will be faithful to one or the other, but you can't be to both. And many of us try that, 
And intentionally, most of the time, God falls to the side and money becomes preeminence. And so we're going to talk about, um, we're going to continue on, on biblical giving. And I believe it's, it's a key, one of the keys that will help us to keep us from falling in love with money. Amen? And it's very important. So um, what I want to do first is review a little bit when we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Talked about the foundation of giving. What is the foundation of giving? We talked about the character of God. We talked about God is love. The Bible is clear about that. God is love and God gave. So we see that love gives. And he gave his very best. He gave Jesus for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And so God is love. God gives. He's our example. Jesus said that I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. And Jesus was our example. He did what he saw his father do. He expressed the heart of God. And then as God sent Jesus into this world, so Jesus sends us into the world. So Jesus was our example. Are you with me so far? Jesus was our example. So if Jesus did what the father did and said what the father did and he's our example, then therefore we want to do the same thing. We want to do and fulfill and express the heart of God. And we know that's in giving. And then we talked about, the uh, Cornell mentioned a very good point about the character of God. That God doesn't want us giving out of fear. In other words, our relationship with God is we don't want to do things or not do things because we're afraid God's going to get us. We want to do things because of our love for God. Because we love Him. He first loved us. We love Him. And so out of our, our response, our expression of love to Him, we want to walk in obedience. Jesus made it clear. He said, if you love me, you will do what I say. You will keep my commandments. And his commandments aren't burdensome. But his commandments should be and will become the very expression of our heart. What we want to do because we love God. So God is love. God gives. He is our example. And because we love God. You know the Bible says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So again, the reason why we give is because we love God and we love people. And we're going to talk more about that that today. All right. So we talked about what is the foundation of our giving. Today we're going to talk about why giving. Why giving. Greg, you want to start off with that? Uh, Sure. I I find that as I get older, with every year, I, I realize... The real wisdom is in the practicality of things and not the theory of it. I used to be a person that, that really, and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I love learning, I love exploring things and trying to postulate possibilities for why things exist or why things happen, but how can it be applied? Can anyone say amen to that? That's really where the rubber meets the road, right? And you know, I was really kind of reflecting about this, you know, and just kind of praying about it, reflecting with it, and then most importantly, we've we've been meeting together and just kind of really just kind of been a council, hasn't it, of spirits together, you know, getting together and sharing. And the Holy Spirit, it's been a really awesome, the dynamic there and things that that, be, that are brought forward uh, in those meetings and so forth. And it gives you things to think about and meditate on. But I was really considering this whole concept and kind of just coming back to the practicality of it. Why? Why, why do we give? 
And it was like the Holy Spirit showed me just a very simple picture. Do we give materially to meet God's needs? I mean, in other words, does God have a need materially? So, so that's the first question. If we're giving to God, really, what is the motivation? I mean, why are we doing that? Do you see what I, see where I'm going here? So then it brings, it begs the question, well then, if that's the case, then what context does giving really exist in? Why does, you know, why was it even created to begin with? Well, I, I submit to you the simplicity of giving is the context of relationship. Ooh, there's a, there's a, a new term. Shocked about that, right? Cornell, shocked about that. It's really the context of relationship. Relationship vertically motivates then the vehicle through which the language, if you will, or the response or the natural product of love, which is giving, occurs horizontally from man to man. Gender neutral, ladies. So, so this relationship vertically would then result in relationship, hopefully, because guess what? This relationship sheds abroad his love, the agape love, the God nature, the person who God really is, and then the natural product of who he is is to give. We settled that in John 3.16, for God so loved. There's never a greater love, right? Would everyone agree? That's manifest and that, that can be a, a, a ascribed to an action than John 3.16. No greater love. And, and, uh, but, and so what was the product of that love? For God so loved, He gave. But the, the context of the giving was created for and actually occurs horizontally. It occurs in this realm, physically. Created for the benefit of man to man. That relationship to facilitate love. Coming from God, from you to someone else. Does everyone see that? I mean, does that seem simple? It, it, it seems simple to me. And so, you know, really to kind of kick this thing off with what CJ was saying earlier about the concept of love, motivating what you do. And I would even say this, when it comes to your, anything you do for the kingdom of God or for God in general, the litmus test is this. Is there any fear associated or, or ingrained or a part of what you're doing, of your action, that's motivating your actions? You all see that? Is there any fear? Is there any anxiety? Is there any, any, uh, uh, com- compulsion from the outside pressure that is motivating what you're doing for the kingdom of God? If there is, I submit to you that it's probably not being motivated it's not being motivated by love coming from your spirit because that's exactly right. Because perfect love, agape, cast out all fear. And so if giving is a product and a natural outgrowth of love, if you will, a, a language of it, you know, something that's going to happen, then, and that has to be the foundation of the motivation for giving, then if your giving has any element of outside pressure, you know, Compulsion. I have to. If it has any fear, not just giving anything you do for the kingdom of God, service, going to church, 
prayer, reading your word. I didn't read my word today, so I can't expect the blessings of God in my life. I didn't, uh, you know, witness with someone in the past month. I didn't just insert blank. Is there an element of, of, of fear? There's an element of fear in that if you're being driven by the outward pressure. God is not in that, folks. That's a work of your own device, of your own strength. And that'll only get you so far, and it's going to fail. So back to this concept, giving is an outgrowth or a product of love, but the context of that giving, if you think about it, is always from man to man. It was created on that foundation. It's from man to man. In, in other words, man is the, is the vehicle, okay, for, for the existence of giving. It's the vehicle that actually mediates this concept. Y'all see that? And so then the next question becomes, okay, well, my natural out, outgrowth of lo- love that God shed abroad in me and created in my heart is to give, but I want to give to God first. And yes, that's the truth. That should be a natural, a supernatural evidence of that love inside. You want to give to God. Well, I ask you today from a practical standpoint, how do you give to God? Do you just take your money out and throw it into the air and then God takes that? And then what was it you said, Cornell? What was that uh, deal that said, uh, whatever you throw to the air, whatever falls to the earth is yours. So whatever didn't get taken, then whatever falls to the earth is yours. Is that the concept in our relationship of giving to God? Does God need a single cent you have to offer him? In the spirit realm, where he sits above all things, having actually created this very matter that we've, ascribed a value to to become a means of currency he, he he's over all that he created it he doesn't need a single cent from a material need standpoint so who who then is the target who then is the vehicle for us to mediate our gifts to god i want to hear it it's a three-letter word begins with an m ends with an n man gender neutral ladies that's right, man. Y'all see that? To me, that's a very practical simplicity of this. Giving to God, giving to man, it is all going to be man to man. Y'all see that? In other words, you're not going to go out again and throw your 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 materiality up and, and God's going to consume that. I submit to you that even in the Old Testament when, when some of y'all's wheels were turning about the sacrifices that were made, they still had to be mediated, guess what, through a priest. You had to bring your offering. You had to bring that, that, that firstborn. You know, whatever it was, your heave offering, whatever it is, you brought it to the priest who then was the mediator to offer that to God in the manner by which he, he ascribed for it to be on, uh, offered. So giving exists from man to man. And the whole context of giving is really for man's benefit. And you know, uh, a couple of scriptures, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, the earth is the Lord and its fullness. And then I like this one even better. Psalm 50, 10 through 12 says, for every beast of the forest is mine, capital M. That's, this is God. And the cattle on a thousand hills, and I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. In other words... If I really had a material need, I'm not coming to you to meet it. I think I can handle it myself. 
That's just the Greg version of that. Because guess what? I created everything you're looking at to offer to me anyway. That's just a scriptural basis to back up what I just got through telling you. Okay, so now, so as it, as far as it concerns God, and then I'm going to stop and then we'll, we'll see, or we'll move on to someone else. To me, why do we give materially the physical things that we give? What, what is the principal reason? If we boil it down, what is really the residue of the reason why? I'm going to tell you real simply. I can't see one element that this does not relate to come back to. It is very simply these four words. To meet man's needs. To meet man's needs. That's why giving occurs. To meet man's needs. And I'm talking about needs physically, soulishly, spiritually. The whole man. Y'all see that? If you stop and think about it, think about every gift that was given. Again, let's go back to the greatest thing that was ever given. The greatest gift. Why was it given? To meet man's needs. Because we were apart. We were unrighteous. We were doomed to be separated eternally from God, but for the grace of God through Jesus. His gift to us. Amen? And we're moving into the season to recognize and celebrate that. Hallelujah. So... Like I said, God doesn't need a single material thing in heaven, but, but here's the, here's the rub. He does need things on earth to advance and establish his kingdom. Y'all see that? Why? Because God is not a physical being. Yes, God created the context, but guess what? He gave us the authority in this realm. We are the rightful heirs and the, and, and dispensers of the things he puts in our hands. And so if giving is to meet man's needs, and it was created for man to be the context through which it exists is from man to man, then it stands to reason that if God's going to meet needs, who's he going to meet it through? Man. Y'all see that? So thus I submit to you the reason for giving, the simple reason for giving. The context through which his provision is made is through man. And I'm going to prove it to you here because it boils down again to John 3.16. Even the very establishment of his kingdom in this world was brought forth and given in the physical world through, guess what? Man. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Boy, there's a power just released right there. His name is Jesus Even the greatest thing, the thing that we needed, folks, to reestablish our relationship with God, it was given, yes, in this spiritual realm before we were even created and had an opportunity to even need it. But when it came time to put the rubber on the road, still the giving had to occur naturally through man, and his name is Jesus. I'm just going to end right there. Go ahead, brothers. Man, there's not really much I can add to that, bro. <laughs> um, and I think we're going to get to this uh, in a little bit. But just to just to further uh, expound on what Greg was saying, let's talk about that for a little bit. That our motive for giving, the reason we're giving, you know, is to meet needs. You know, we're giving it one as a as an expression of Reverent of honor, reverent fear of, of, of respect and honor to the Lord. 
for who he is, for what he's given to us, for what he means to us. Amen. And, and knowing that his heart is to bless his children. His heart is also that no one should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Okay. And that's, and that's why the church exists. Amen. That we're out there sharing the gospel, letting those who walk in darkness. We, the, the, the intent is that we're out there spreading the light of Christ, that they can walk out of darkness into his marvelous light and be reconciled to him. All right. Th- th- this is what this is all about. It's about souls. The ultimate need that everyone has is to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what he wants. And so our giving, you know, included in loving God, is giving so that his heart can be ministered to to in salvations, in healings, in deliverance. Amen? If If you don't amen it, you know, if you don't agree with it, don't amen it. But if you do, don't be ashamed to say amen. All right? It's all right. It's allowed in here. Now, it's kind of a long passage, and, and I'm going to give the floor to you, Pastor, but I, I just want to read this because I think it encapsulates really the heart behind our, what our giving should be. Uh, Matthew 25, starting at the 31st verse. May not seem like it at first, but I think you'll, you'll get the gist. I'm reading in the NIV, and it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. When Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Amen. And that's where the horizontal part of the giving comes from. You know, how can the church meet the needs of those who are in need if not for the loving giving of the people of God? Amen? You know, that's from a, you want to talk practical, Greg, right? It takes money to meet needs. Isn't it, isn't it interesting, Cornell, that really that verse says, you did it to me. To me. That's right. So, you know, that's his love language. All right? Now, uh, that may not be f- fully what I'm trying to say here, but, you know, you talked about loving vertically and loving horizontally. This here ties those two together. 
We're through loving horizontally, we're in effect loving vertically. We're loving God by loving others. Amen. So, 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 so whether you laid a hand on someone and healed them, uh, whether you stepped a foot on a foreign land as a missionary or not, you know, you're, if you're giving allowed others to do that, then you did it. Mm-hmm. You know, you love them and you love the Lord through your giving. Amen. Okay. So, um, let's even move it more practically. So what is the occasion of giving? How we talk about from man to man, we're giving unto God, but it's man to man relationally. So what is the context or what is the occasion that a Christian has the opportunity to give? Well, well, you know, can you say that another way, Will? Yeah, like, for example, we know as, in Christ, as Christians it's important to give. And we're talking financially because we know that, you know, you made a great point okay. a couple of weeks ago that we're not only to give financially, you know, our time, our life, and things like that, but speaking finances, mm-hmm. what is the occasion to give? What, as a Christian, how do I do that? What does that look like? Well, if I understand you, if I understand you correctly, uh, one of the ways you can give is through tithing to okay. your to your local church, and you know, I hope y'all pardon me here because I, I like to have scripture. It's important in a church, right? Now, most of this will be, I know this is Old Testament, but Deuteronomy 14, verses uh, 22-23 says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the firstlings of the herds and of the flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. You know, um, everybody knows the Malachi scripture about tithing and everything, but it's interesting, this caught my attention because it ascribed a motive to tithing that I don't think is often really uh, discussed or, or, or really put out there for us. It says that at first it tells them the tithe. It's Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 and 23. tells them all the things of tithe. And it says, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And so tithing is a key to learning to live in the in the fear and respect and honor of the Lord. So we do it out of obedience and, 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 and respect and honor toward the Lord. Um Malachi, I want to bring that back into play here. What did it say? Bring the tithe and offering into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Meat, provision, you know, that the church, that the, that the local church will have the provisions needed to facilitate the functions of the ministry. Uh, unless I'm missing you totally, at least that's one way, uh, it, that's one way that giving looks like. It's giving to the local church so that the uh, functions of the ministry can actually take place. Um, you have a salary, right? All right. Now, you need to be able to devote your full attention to ministering to the people, right? Okay. Uh, we have a staff, right? Okay. Uh, they need to devote their attention to their respective duties, right? We have a building, right? 
okay? Uh, talk about those money, that, that money that we ascribe value to. It takes money to run this building, right? Mm-hmm. Okay? So, uh, in understanding that, 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 that's just a natural order of things. It's just the necessities of things. God doesn't need it. We're giving to God, but horizontally, that giving is going to the local church so that the local church can be able to do what needs to be done in ministering to its people. We do benevolence and stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. All right. We have a lot of things that are practical needs that require money to be done. And so, and you know, so God really doesn't ask much of us. You know, he says, bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there is provision there so that the ministry functions can get done. And I know that's not a, 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 a yay, hallelujah, praise God, uh, truth, but you know, the truth is the truth. You know, and so sometimes we got to talk about that element of giving that um, is a needful thing that isn't emotion. It's not emotion related. It's not something that, you know, giving a tithe is not something you just jump up and shout and say, hallelujah. You know, uh, I'm giving this because someone told me about this need. And, and, and so I feel compelled to provide for that need. You know, tithing doesn't have that emotional euphoria tied to it, you know. But what did Deuteronomy 14 say? Do it so that we might learn to fear the Lord, that we might learn to honor him. We do it out of honor and respect and love for him. Would you would you say that there's a difference between tithes and offerings? So scripturally, I believe it's pretty clear that there's a difference. Uh, in fact, it's, it's for sure that there's a difference between tithe and offering. And, and quite simply, tithe is a tenth. That's all it means. And I, I think, honestly, where we're at in this is, you know, there's a lot of, of, of um, there's a lot of doctrine, some good, some bad, about this concept. There's a lot of positions that ministers have taken, some good, some bad, in this concept. I think the bottom line is, is that we can, we can find counsel in a, in, in a group or, a, you know, wisdom in a council of elders, you know, or in a council of what I'm going to say generations for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in terms of, of what God has led those folks to do. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to give you the fine points of every element, A, B, C, and D, about tithing right or wrong. I can give you my opinion about it, but I think we can take, take, solace and take confidence, you know, in generationally what God has ministered and spoken through those ministers, you know. But I will tell you, as I sit here before you all, and I'm not a, a, a minister of the gospel receiving my full livelihood from it yet, but I'll tell you this, there, this has been abused beyond measure. And people have taken the focus off of the reality of meeting people's needs and have used and, and really committed usury, you know, through the kingdom of God or, or using the kingdom of God. So is there is there error? Um, yeah, there's error in this. But to me, quite simply, the, the word is very simple about the fact that there was a separation of tithe and offering. The tithe was demanded and uh, had to be, you know, basically, you know, the first fruits that were brought unto the priest, and there were different types of tithes, if you get down to it, um, 
you know, legalistically. There were different types of tithes. There were different people that brought different tithes. The bottom line of tithing is it was just a tenth. And to me, I think, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. Does it belong to God, whether you call it a tithe, offering, or anything? Is it God's to begin with? It is. It all belongs to Him. Even the very breath in your lungs as you sit here right now belongs to God. Amen? So, so, so really we can find, I think we can find, find our answer in the common sense approach to this. If what you have, even the very breath in your life, in your lungs belongs to God, then quite simply, I believe that God instituted some vehicles by which we would be accountable and, 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 and stir up our pure mind by way of remembrance in what we do to count ourselves a portion to God. You see what I'm saying in that? It's like every time we do this, it's like you when you do something, it's important to not just get mechanistic about it, but do it re, like Jesus said, in remembrance. In remembrance. And so when you bring what, you know, legalistically and what was termed the tithe from the Old Testament, it was a tenth of whatever it was. Firstborn of lambs, grain, first fruits, whatever it is, was brought a tenth of what you had. And it was the best that you brought, you know. But I I sit here with with a pure conscience and pure heart, and I submit to you folks, why do we have to stop at a tenth? But I, I submit to you that I really feel like the fullness of what God wants us to do is not be led by, well, I've met my quota in this. That's not the heart of God in this. I feel like that he gave, you know, solidly in my heart, I feel like that he gave this, you know, started out with a tenth, and then there were offerings on top of that. And that was the original question, are there differences? Yes, there were differences. There were actually things that were called offerings. And you can look in Malachi 3, which is oft used and oft abused. And it talks about tithes and offerings. Well, if, if they weren't different, then there wouldn't be separate in that scripture. It, just my common sense, country boy way of looking at stuff. So they are different. But it all boils down to this. All you're doing is returning unto God what belongs to him anyway. And But guess how you do it? You do it from the heart, you do it out of obedience and desire to please him, but you do it how? Through giving to man. Guess what? The tithe was brought to what? To man, to priests. The Levitical priesthood were uh, legalistically were actually told by God, guess what? You're not going to receive an inheritance, a portion of the land. Because why? Because your portion is me. I'm your provider. And so the tenth went to the Levites. That was their portion. Y'all see that? I mean, I can show that to you in Scripture. Now, we can sit here and argue about whether or not the tithe is appropriate in today's generation versus the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. But I think we'll miss the point if we do that, Pastor. We don't want to even... To me, why do we go there? The real issue is, what is your heart motivated to do to please God? What does love, agape inside of you, motivate you to do? Well, I think quite simply, again, from a country boy's just simple way of looking at stuff, we have, like Cornell so, you know, clearly brought forth needs that have to be met in today's model, if you will, or vehicle of the kingdom of God, which is the church. People say, well, maybe the church isn't even applicable today. Well, Jesus didn't say, I'll build my church for a season and then it goes away. 
He said, I'll build my church on this rock. And the kingdom of hell won't prevail against it, right? So we are the church, and we I'm not saying the church is the end-all, be-all of the kingdom, but it's pretty much a formal focus of what's going on in kingdom work. Would everyone agree with that? Now, whether or not we're doing everything right from a perspective of Minister, you know, ministers full time, you know, you know, getting paid a salary or, or they're getting benefits or they're not, or they're, you know, they should be mowing the grass, but they're all they're doing is the ministry stuff. They need to take care. Of, I mean, we can sit here and argue all that stuff too, but really it boils down to this. If Jesus talked about building the church and the church has to do with an assemblage of people and the assemblage of people for generations have decided that we're going to focus efforts toward having a physical building for us to meet in, to having an, a physical place of, of meeting, to having uh, some needs in that context in terms of ministries like children's ministry. Uh, we're going to have a pastor. We're going to have a song leader. We're going to have uh, youth ministries, whatever that might be. Yeah, facilities. Then I think we've created the context of need. And again, what does it come down to? Giving, meeting man's needs. That's a need that we have to meet. And the vehicle that that's going to be met with is the same vehicle that we've talked about when we kicked this whole thing off, God, man to man. So those needs are met by God through men, gender neutral, all of us folks. Can I say one other thing? You mentioned the Levitical priesthood situation. In addition to God saying that he was their portion, you know, they also had two duties. One was caring for the tabernacle. And the other was providing spiritual leadership for the, uh, 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 for the nation of Israel. You know, and so, you know, those two functions, those two duties kind of embodies what is required of, uh, the pastor, the pastoral leadership, the staff, and everything, you know, as you are committed to caring for, uh, we don't have a tabernacle today, but we have our church building and providing the spiritual leadership for the, you know, for the people. You know, then that also requires, it brings with it need that needs to be attended to, which God intended to be done through the time. So. Well, I, I just think, you know, also from a perspective of, of tithe, tithe was something again that we can see in scripture that was offered to meet the needs of God's work, his workers in the temple. So too were offerings. So if we get at the reason for tithe or the context of it or the context of, of giving, how does it occur? I think it's how you Well, we can see that tithes and offerings are going to occur to be given to God. Those are things uh, uh, that are given to God. But again, how do we give to God? Through people. And in today's day and age, we don't have the Levitical priesthood by name. Okay, we do in terms of people that are called and anointed to be ministers. And functionally, we do. So so the needs are still the same. There's no difference in terms of the types of needs. It's just a little bit different <laughs> from what it was back in the day. So the need is still there. And if it was demanded of tithes and offerings to meet those needs back then, then I think we're going to see the context in today's church age that the church is the context for those tithes and offerings in my simple view and the way I see it. And then beyond the tithes and offerings that are brought, to meet the needs of the church. And again, whose needs are we meeting? Giving exists for one reason, that to meet man's needs. Well, the church is meeting needs, right? 
I mean, not just the simple material needs of meeting our building uh, light bills and all this kind of stuff, but also there's a lot of ministry that comes out of this place. A lot of ministry, a lot of kingdom elements, a lot of focus for people to meet, for kingdom work to be done. Those needs are being met, you know, spiritually, soulishly, physically. And, and, you know, we could meet in people's houses, and that's what they did back in the day. And we may find ourselves, you know, in that situation at some point in time. Who knows? But the bottom line is right now in the here and now, here's where we're at. We have some needs. Tithes and offerings are a vehicle by way those needs can be, can be met. So that's one type of giving. And I think the other type of giving is, is, uh, is alms, charitable giving. And, and, but before I go on, let me just look right quick here. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to lay your eyes on this too, so it's not just the talking heads up here. 1 Corinthians 9, I just want to show you by Scripture that though we're not necessarily seeing uh, borne out in Scripture, the actual words tithe, you know, or offering as it was used legalistically back in the Levitical priesthood days to meet that, that need, you still see the same reality of this Played out right here, very plainly. First Corinthians chapter nine. Am I stealing your thunder, Pastor? <laughs> Verse eight says, Do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? Verse nine For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? This is Paul talking to the church there. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, it is a great thing if we reap your material things. Everybody say material things. Material things. If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we've not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple? So we see that the people that minister in the temple, and of course, we, this is Paul talking about the right now today church. Okay, same, what he's mm-hmm. talking about here mm-hmm. is the same that we're living in now. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about having ministers and they have needs. Guess what? And it's material needs. And, the, and and he's saying that it's right for them to reap their material needs through their ministry as a result of their ministry. In verse 14, even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Okay, so we, like I said, we can sit here and argue the finer points about tithes and whether it's applicable and so forth. I say hooey on that. I just say very simply, we have ministers in today's construct of the temple called the church mm-hmm. in today's element of ministry and the focal point of the kingdom of one focal point and a major focal point of the kingdom of God's work in this world. And that's the church. And guess what? We have ministers like they did back then that are full time. And, and the scripture is very clear here from Paul exhorting these people. Look, I'm not going to beat you over the head with this, but I got to tell you quite simply, man, I do have a right to reap materially my needs through my work here. Does everyone see that, or am I seeing something different? Am I seeing something different here? Is that seem, is that clear? Does that seem right? Okay, I don't want to I don't want to misinterpret anything or lead anybody astray here, but it seems very simple to me. Yeah. Okay, so 
so, so to me, right there is a very, a very uh, solid New Testament example, very clear that today's ministers in the church should be able to expect material sustenance for their service. And then, then remember, I told y'all what I, what homework did we give you? Second Corinthians, remember that chapters eight and nine. Do you want to read that over the past couple of weeks? Don't have to raise your hand. Be embarrassed. <laughs> There's no condemnation. But you can read those passages. And again, Pastor Cornell, you correct me if I'm wrong, but do those passages also talk about, yet again, material needs for the ongoing work of the ministry being met by the giving of others? Is that a correct interpretation of, those, of what's being said in those scriptures? Needs are being met through the, yes. Being, needs for the ministry are being met through the giving of other people. So I think to me it's pretty clear in the New Testament that giving exists. Giving exists again. Why? To meet man's needs. The church is a vehicle and a, and a focal point for, for the efforts of the kingdom of God being built and to meet man's needs. And a byproduct of the things of the church are going to be expenses and things materially that have to be met. Does everyone see that? Is that is that very clear, very practical? I hope so. All right. One point I wanted to bring up too, I thought was it's very important is, you know, we talked about not giving under compulsion, not giving out of commandment. You know, as the Bible talks about it, I believe it's in Second Corinthians 8 or 9, it talks about when Paul's talking to the church about the gift that they're collecting to give to the poor people, he says, uh, you know, don't give out of compulsion. In other words, you know, as Greg's been talking about that, that external pressure, but I was thinking, but there is a pressure. But it's like we can have the wrong kind of pressure. We can respond to the wrong kind of pressure or the right kind of pressure. And what I mean by that, there's an external compulsion and there's an internal compulsion. Because the Bible says, I believe it's in Romans 5, uh, it talks about that the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. The love of God. And it compels us. It compels the same root word of compulsion. So we don't want to be, we don't want to give out a compulsion feeling forced or feeling the external pressure of man. But we want to respond to the compulsion of the Holy Spirit, which the motivation is love. Remember, and there's a big difference between that. You know, sometimes because if you, if you, um, some of us have been to places I knew growing up, you know, the, the offering plate was passed around a number of times during the church, during the service, in the same service where it was passed over. And I've heard stories of, of people saying, well, we don't have enough yet, so we're going to keep passing it until we get, <laughs> till we get enough or whatever. And, um, and those are extreme situations, unfortunately. And there's a pressure there. There's a pressure where man is looking at you saying, look, you better give or else. And that's not, the type of, that's not the type of pressure we're talking about responding to. We're talking about giving to the compulsion of the Holy Spirit inside of us that's saying, yes, I want you to give. I want you to give. I want you to give. But is, does Jesus command us to give? Yes, he does. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so it's like there's a, there's a balancing act. There's a, we don't want to get out of balance either way. Jesus talked about three big things in Matthew chapter 6. And he didn't say if you do these, but he says when you do these. And the first one he said is when you give. 
When you give, and he gives you the example of how to do it, don't do it, don't, because he's talking about don't do your righteous deeds before people like the, the religious people do to get their, you know, for everybody to see how spiritual they are. In other words, don't do it so people can see you giving, give in such a way that it's secretive, that, that you're giving, but it's between you and God. And again, he didn't say if you give, but when. Then he goes on to say when you pray. Pray in a such a way, not to bring attention to you for man, but that kind of thing. And the last thing is, he says, when you fast. So those three things right there are three things that I believe Jesus expects us to do as his people. But he gives us the grace which enables us to do those things. So it's not a task that we have to fulfill and follow, but it's a grace that we're giving so that we're able to move into those things because Walking in those three things is going to benefit who? It's going to benefit us. When you give, it's going to benefit you. Give and you shall be given. It is more blessed to give than receive. How is that possible? God designed us that way. He designed our our physiology, our bodies, our soul, or whatever, in such a way that we're going to be more blessed to give than receive. We're going to benefit from praying, developing relationship with God. We're going to benefit from fasting. So those three things, so we are commanded, we are given precedent. You know, when Jesus did say, he said to the, he was talking to the Pharisees, but he said, you know, um, tithe, but also do the weightier things, love, justice, you know, those things. But he, he, he said to tithe. And then the scripture that Greg shared, Paul was given the example. He says, just as the priests are, are given the, the offerings or whatever, in the same way, those who make their living from the gospel should receive, receive um, support for that. So there is, and I didn't see that clearly until not too long ago. So there is scriptural precedence in giving, and as, as Greg and Cornell have been saying, it's giving to man. God doesn't need it, but man does. But we don't want to give out of the pressure I have to. If I don't give, God's going to get me. But there are spiritual laws. We're going to talk about that more next week. The benefits of giving. We're going to talk about that so we can go into more detail. But we don't want to give out of if God, if I don't give, God's going to get me. And I fell into that. And I didn't realize it until a, a, a time not too long ago where I loaned some money to a relative. And I, I needed, I really didn't have it to give, but I thought, you know, now I'm, I'm telling on myself and. And if you know somebody who else has done this, then just pray for them. <laughs> but I didn't have extra money to give, but this relative had, had need. And so I gave, and they intended to pay back, and, and I was expecting that. And so what I gave was the only money that I kind of had inside was my tithe. And so I gave that because they were expecting a couple of weeks to give it back. So they give it back, everything's good, right? Well, circumstances happened in such a way that they weren't able to. That left me in a pickle. And all of a sudden, I wasn't able to give my tithe to God because I borrowed from him thinking, you okay with this? I didn't wait for an answer. I just did it. (laughs) But here's the situation I found myself in. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm not able to tithe. I'm like, okay, so I start talking to God, trying to do this deal real quick. Hey, God, if you just give me, just give, you know, it was almost like he, he was a mobster at my door, you know, with, with. Guido and whatever, and they're ready to break my legs because I didn't have payment. But 
Brothers and sisters, I honestly was scared. I was afraid. I didn't fear God in the right sense. I was afraid of. And I thought, I'm in trouble. And I was like, God, if you just give me till next month, I'll, I'll figure it out somehow. And I'll make up for it. Well, guess what? Next month came. The next month. Because there was other needs that came up and, and all this kind of stuff. I wasn't able to tithe. I was afraid. Because I was, you know, the Bible in the Old Testament talks about, shall you rob God? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I robbed God. I'm in trouble here. I can't hide. Where am I going to hide, right? And I was really in bondage. And I didn't realize this. And I was afraid. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, you know, time came, went. And I'm thinking, I don't qualify for God to meet my needs anymore because I wasn't able to tithe. Or I didn't tithe or whatever the circumstance. So I'm just in a pickle here. But yet I'm praying, God, you know, because, you know, Christmas was coming up. This was in the past. Christmas was coming up. And I was like, Lord, um, I would normally ask you to help provide this. You know, I like to get Christmas presents for my kids, but because I owe you money, I don't expect you to help me out. And I was double-minded. I was really in turmoil. And check out what God did. I mean, he's probably smiling at me the whole time. But we got blessed that Christmas like we never have before. In spite of the fact that I wasn't able to tithe. And I realized, wait a minute, hold on, my theology was all messed up. And it was like God was showing me, son, it's not about that. It's not about you owe me this money. See, it wasn't like God was like talking, we need to talk to the accountant because we're going to be short this month because my son didn't tithe. So heaven's in trouble. You know, it wasn't like that at all. And I realized it's out of a heart to give. It's it's our, our motivation, our heart. Now I made... I don't know, I'm not, I don't know what, I, what else to do in that situation. I don't even necessarily have the answer. But what I realize is that God's not going to get you if you don't give, if you don't tithe. What we want to do is we want to develop the heart. And as the grace of God works in us, he's going to work out that desire and that passion to want to give. Because see, what I learned, what I realized in that time, is that when I'm not in bondage, To give when I'm free to give, I find myself wanting to give more. And I'm even more excited. I mean, I've tithed all my Christian years up to not too long ago. I've been faithful, probably about 98% faithful tithing. I mean, just did it religiously. I am more excited about giving now than I've ever been in my whole life. Because the motivation's different. I'm getting to understand God a little bit more than I did before and realizing he's not trying to exact this out of me like a tax but he wants me to do these things that he's established to meet needs that's what it's about you know tithes and offerings and everything it's to meet needs as we're talking about man has need not God but at the same time it's also to protect our hearts so that we don't get greedy and all of a sudden I don't want to give my money away what do you mean I got to give that money away this is mine this is mine 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 and see if that's what you're struggling with then you got a heart condition and God wants to set you free from that and he has ways to do that and I'm not talking about he's going to beat it out of you but he has systems set in a place for our protection amen and so now I know that, that the way we're talking about this is not, you know, any of you theolog- theologians in here, you scholars, you know, we, we might have butchered this. <laughs> I, 
our attempt isn't to cover all the fine points of offering, tithing, and that kind of thing. Our, our desire is, is to shed some light, hopefully, and encourage you, set you free. And our heart is that you have a greater desire to give than you have before. Not so that I can get a raise or anything like that, but so that you can experience the financial breakthrough that God has for you so that you can give more. So his people are giving more so that the kingdom is going to be propagated and expanded even more on this planet. Amen? And last thing I want to share, I've been thinking about this and I felt like the Lord, when I woke up this morning, or actually it was yesterday, the Lord said, okay, I want you to share this now because I thought about this in the past, but I feel like now's the time. Why do we do things the way we do here at New Covenant? Some of you who've been here for a long time, you know that the boxes, the offering, the tithes and offering boxes are in the hallway on the wall. Some of you who are brand new here probably didn't have, maybe you didn't notice that or didn't have a clue. But you've noticed that in service, we don't pass the plate. We don't pass an offering um, container so you can give during the service. Why do we do it that way here at New Covenant Fellowship? And I thought it was perfect to talk about it because Dale's not here so I can talk about him and not get in trouble. (laughs) Now, Dale's somewhere else preaching. Uh, He's a guest minister somewhere. But anyway, and I've been thinking about this and, and... And, you know, I thought this is pretty, when I first, you know, when you look at this, you may not understand you come because we've all, those of us who've grown up in church, those of us who've been to to church before growing up, generally speaking, we're used to the plate being passed or during the service, you go up to the front and you put money in a bucket or something like that, right? We've all been, we've all experienced that before. So then you come here and you think, this is weird. This is crazy. What's wrong with these people? Oh, I guess they don't need money here. They must be all rich. And all that's wrong. <laughs> but it's done differently here. And if I understand right, just from knowing Pastor Dale over the years, when he was a young Christian, the church, the pastor that he came up under, that's how they did it. They had an offering box. And he said his pastor had an offering box somewhere in the church. You had to go find it. There was a box somewhere that if you wanted to give your tithes and offerings, you went and you put it in the box. And so Pastor Dale saw that model because what was it? If, what he learned from his pastor was God is our provider, not man. But God uses man to provide for people's needs. But God is the ultimate provider. So I guess this pastor's desire was to give man the opportunity from their hearts to give to meet the needs for that ministry. And the needs were always met. But they didn't spend a lot of time preaching about how you need to give and all that kind of stuff. Now, whether that was right or wrong, actually, I don't think it was right or wrong. It was different. But we can come from a background that does it differently and judge that way and say it's wrong. And it's not wrong. It's just different. So when I believe Pastor Dill, he grew up under that model and he liked that because those of you who know Pastor Dill, he's a man of integrity, impeccable integrity. And so when it comes to money issues, he walks in integrity and money. And so he's learned this system that, you know, this is, it's a fine balance between putting your faith in God and in allowing man to have the opportunity to give. And so if I understand right, he, we started doing that at New Covenant. And so you have the opportunity to give Without the compulsion, the outward external pressure from man to, you better give. And me sticking a plate under your nose saying, 
you know, shaking it and saying, I don't want to hear any rattle. I just want dollar bills. You know, that kind of thing. So, and I've, you know, and before I didn't understand it as well, but I've come to appreciate the way that we do it here now. Because even though we do have need here, I'm going to be straight with you. We do have need. As these brothers were saying, we have staff, we have a building, we have, you know, needs. Fortunately, the way that the leaders have done this, we are not in debt. We owe nobody any money on this building, on the property. It is paid in full by this body. So we don't have that extra burden. But City uh, Stillwater, the power company, wants their money every month. You know, in all those practical needs, there are some of us on staff. This is our livelihood. We don't have second jobs. Now, if it comes to a situation where the Lord says, I require you to, to work another job and then do this part-time or whatever, so be it. I'm willing to do whatever he wants. But this is how we're doing it right now. This is what the Lord has, has allowed us to do. But there are needs. The fact that we don't pass the offering plate doesn't mean, hey, we're good. We don't have any needs. We do have needs here at the church. And we're trusting God to meet those needs. And we're trusting that you, as his people, are allowing him to work in your heart through obedience and giving how he leads you to give. Does that make sense? And also at the same time, the Lord does develop within us, through his grace, the discipline of giving. Just like the discipline of praying. Just like the discipline of reading the word of God. Just like the discipline of doing other kingdom things, we grow in those things. And as we're growing, we get more proficient at them. We become more obedient, that kind of thing. But it is something as a Christian, we should be growing up in those things. Do you have something you want to say, Cornell? Yeah. Um, And it has to do with... um the, the term uh, legalism. Mm. You know, that seems to be a, na- it, it does tie in what you just said here, brother, by the way. Now, I'm going to distinguish legalism. You hear the term legalism and in, in, in that connotation, connotation is automatically negative, right? But there's a difference between doing something for the sake of doing something. And doing something to honor God. For example, you know, just because God commanded you to do something doesn't mean it's legalistic for you to do it. All right? All right. So now he's commanded me to be faithful to my wife. All right? I'm going to be faithful to my wife because I love my wife and I love him. Right? I want to be obedient to him. Okay? You with me so far? You know, you don't murder just because. It, you know, you, you don't choose to obey the command not to murder just out of some legalistic obligation. All right? You do it out of obedience and love to the Lord, right? It's relationship. Okay? We, you know, all the sins, the different things that 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 are the uh, works of the flesh, we don't not walk in them just out of a legalistic sense of pride. We don't walk in them because we want to, because we want to walk in the spirit. We want to honor and bless the Lord. Now, I said all that because, you know, there's also the feeling that, you know, 
the, uh, the deal of tithe is legalistic. Well, no, it's not. It can be legalistic, but that depends on your motive. That depends on the heart behind it. All right. If I'm just giving my tenth out of some legalistic obligation to give my tenth, then I'm being legalistic with it. But if I'm doing it out of the fear of the Lord, not, 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 not being afraid of him, fear, honor, reverence. If I'm doing out of obedient reverence to the Lord, then the fact that I am required to tithe is not legalistic. All right. I'm being faithful to what the Lord has said. Amen. So I, I wanted, I want to throw that out there because I think we need to chew on that, you know, because you'll have the debates about what is legalism and what is not. And it's not as simple as it may seem on the surface. You know, it all comes back to the heart of the matter. It all comes back to relationship. It all comes back to what your heart motivation is. Okay? The reason why, the reason for our giving. You know, we're not giving a tent just because God said give a tent. We're giving, you know, we're giving out of love for him. I'm going to share one more thought in closing. Um, How often should you give? And I think um, a practical way to do that is whenever you get paid. Whenever you get paid. Some get paid monthly, some get paid weekly, bi-monthly, that kind of thing. And I just want to encourage you. The Lord put this on my heart, and we started doing this, and we want to continue to do this. Make your giving, you know, because some people desire, rightfully so, they desire for your giving to be part of worship because it is. Our act of giving unto God should be an act of worship. Amen? And so some people miss the fact that because that the offering boxes aren't in here, then it's like, well, it's not part of our worship. And it's like, okay, I, I, I hear that. And what I felt like the Lord put on my heart is... Let's make it a part of our worship, but it doesn't have to necessarily be here, but do it in the context of your family. Because I realized that Lisa and I, you know, we've, we've given faithfully for many, many years and everything, but I realized that I just do it, I just write a check, boom, it's gone. I just do it like that, and, and the family is not even, they know, my kids know we tithe and give like that, but they're, it's just, um, they don't even, they're not able to participate in that. And so an idea the Lord gave me, and I just want to submit this to you and encourage you that you might consider doing this with your family as well, is I got um, real money. Well, what good is fake money going to do, right? But I got cash. That was a thing. Instead of a check, I got cash, and I brought, it, brought the family together, and we put the cash out there on the table so they could see, like, wow, all that money. You know, we could do with all that money. We can go to Disneyland. But put the money out there, and as a family, and then explain, here's why we're doing this, guys. You know, God has blessed us, and so we want to give back to Him a portion to meet the needs of people. And so together, so they see a visual, and then we pray together, and we thank God for blessing us, thank Him for this, and then boom, it takes less than five minutes. And so I want to encourage you not to let it be just a rote thing, write a check, debit card, or whatever, and you just boom, just do it that way. But let it be a gift of faith and and worship unto God. Amen? All right, let's stand together. Next week, we're going to uh, talk about the benefits of giving. We'll cover some more things.
And again, if you do have any questions, if you would um, email them to me by tomorrow, no later than Tuesday, so that we can have time to look over them this week before Sunday. And um, I believe the email address is in this bulletin, or you can email to Ellen and she'll get it to me. All right? Is it in the back of the bulletin? Yes. It's in the back of the bulletin on the bottom, inside. Father, we do thank you again for your goodness, for your love for us. We thank you for your example of a giving heart. And that's what we want, Father. And we thank you that you deposited your grace, your love in us through the Holy Spirit so that we can give, we can love like you love. And we're so excited and we're so grateful, Father, that we get to participate in kingdom activity. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for life. We thank you for peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Father... Again, I do pray for financial breakthrough for your people so that we can all give more, so we can see your kingdom expand more. We want to see more lives affected and change for the gospel. We want to see more people set free. And we thank you, Father, that we get to participate in that. I just speak your blessing on everyone here, every family represented. And Father, we do thank you for the tithes and the offerings, the gifts that have been given today from generous people. I pray that you have blessed them in return. I thank you that your word says that you will meet their needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for their giving hearts. And I thank you that you will give to them in return. And Father, I pray for those who weren't able to give but have the desire to give. I pray that you would bless them abundantly so that they are able to give unto you, Father. And we thank you, Lord. And we pray that you would multiply. And we just pray for even more resources. We pray your blessing upon this church like never before so that we can continue to do all that you've called us to do. We love you, we honor you, and we bless you, Lord. And we say thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you and have an awesome week. See you next time.